Today's episode comes to you in partnership with Rotacloud, the people management platform for shift-based teams. Rotacloud lets managers create and share rotas, record attendance and manage annual leave, all from a single web-based app. It also makes work simple for your team, allowing them to check their rotas, request holiday and even pick up extra shifts straight from their phones. Try Rotacloud's time-saving tools today by heading to rotacloud.com forward slash fill. Welcome to Hospitality Meets with me, Phil Street, where each week we take a light-hearted look into the stories and individuals that make up the wonderful world of hospitality. Today's guest is total industry legend Robin Hudson, chairman of Homegrown Hotels. Coming up on today's show, Robin reveals his secret to success. I didn't do any work, but I had a load of fun. Phil describes his dream job. Chop up a bucket full of button mushrooms and turn them into roses using a cleaver. And Robin tells us it wasn't all sunshine and rainbows on the upward trajectory. And then we couldn't afford a night porter, so one of us would sleep on the sofa in the in the lounge and keep an eye on the place overnight. All that and so much more as we chat through Robin's quite amazing and legendary career so far. Where to begin with today's chat? Integrity is a running theme throughout, but for anyone listening intent on building yourself an extraordinary career, then listen hard as there's so many insights into what it takes to reach the top. A massive thank you to Robin for his time. One final thing before we get into it, and I know I go on about this, but if you can take two seconds to subscribe to the show and leave us a review wherever you get your podcasts, it really makes a huge difference. Enjoy. And a huge hospitality meets welcome to hotel legend Robin Hudson. Hi Robin, how are you? Good morning, Phil. Uh, yeah, all good. Thank you very much. Yeah, um, I'm uh, sitting here uh, at home in Winchester at the moment. So Very nice. I was going to ask you, it does look at, like a very nice grand room that you're in. <laughs> well, I don't know. It's, it's quite a small room, actually. <laughs> <Is it? laughs> You've got the good angle then. You should be in the, you should go into uh, estate agency. It um, actually looks a bit wonky from here. I've got, uh, I was trying to find decent signal in my house and... Um, my Mac is now perched on the side of an armchair, so I hope it's not uh, too jaunty for you. Very good. No, all good. Yeah, so how's, how's life? What are you up to at the moment? Yeah, uh, life is good. Thank you. And, uh, you know, we're still, uh, we're still having a, a, a lot of fun with, with, with the pigs. So, right. for, for anybody who doesn't know what the pig is, you should probably clarify. Yeah. <laughs> Um, Just that you don't have a have a, a, a herd of pigs out in the. Well, we uh, do have we do have herds of pigs as well. To, to, to be absolutely honest, but no, the the pig is is is, uh, is our um, small boutique hotel brand. They're rural hotels um, spread across the southern counties of England. We have a pig in every county from Cornwall to Kent, and they're essentially. Um, they're kind of restaurants with rooms in a way, uh, albeit with thirty odd rooms in each uh, in each location. Um, but we major on on the kitchen garden, uh, and we try to grow as much food as we can. And what we can't grow, we're we're religious about sourcing from w- within twenty five miles. So yeah, and it, we founded the pig in two thousand and eleven. So we're what uh, uh, thirteen years in, albeit that we had a couple of um, of dodgy years in between um but <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah 13 years in eight hotels and two more in the pipeline actually so so um yeah we're we're we're, we're going well uh despite the um despite the challenges of the moment um that this uh this is a, a challenging period that just keeps giving you know it's, it doesn't uh, it just yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway there, there there we are um so we we suffer all the same same issues as the rest of the the sector but you know we're we're doing our best to battle through them. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think it, it there's many reasons why I was excited to have a chat with you today. But but also because you guys are continuing to move forward in the face of everything that's that's going out there. It's almost a, a little moment of solace for people out there to hear that progress can still be made. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's no it's no secret the the you know the the different directions of headwinds that we face at the moment and uh you know whether it's energy whether it's general costs whether it's uh skill shortage what you know um, whether it's brexit hangover covid hangover i mean all of that uh is still 
you know, it was a tricky business before all, all of that to, yeah. to, to get right. And and as you know, it's a it's a it's a business of many moving parts. And then you add layers of of those sort of challenges uh, onto the top. And and uh, it's um, yeah, it's it's yeah, it's it's been it's been really wearing over uh, since uh, since 2020 for sure. Yeah. Absolutely. But anyway, we're not going to talk about that today. This is all no, about, no, no. about let's you. Get, <laughs> let's get upbeat. And uh, no. so anyway, we're 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 super pleased to have uh, secured two new sites, two fantastic new sites actually. One in Warwickshire, so that'll be our furthest north we've we've drifted. Um, so it's yeah, just you got a nosebleed. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's um, yeah. I, I check my passport every time I I, <laughs> I, I get north of Oxford, but. Um, <laughs> But we're uh, yeah we we've found a great location just uh, just close to Stratford upon Avon in Warwickshire, uh, which um, we think is a fertile hunting ground for us. And and the second one uh, actually on the on the Kent East Sussex border near Tunbridge Wells, which is another amazing amazing property. So we you know we we see a lot of a lot of properties uh, either on the desk or physically. Um, you know we're introduced to a lot of lot of sites because people know we you know we're still we're still looking to grow but you you know you kiss a lot of frogs in this game you know you you before you before you settle on 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 something so you know i bet i've reviewed 200 sites to to you know to to really right to to, to whittle down to two you know with, wow. we're very we're very proud of the quality of our portfolio and we we wouldn't ever want to dilute that in any way yeah yeah, 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 absolutely. Great. Well, um, we'll uh, we'll get into that in, in a bit more depth later on, I think. But what I, I'm really, really keen to understand is your journey to this point, because you don't just wake up and become. Uh, actually, I did, didn't mention it at the beginning. I don't think I even called you an OBE. You know, you don't you don't just wake up with these things, do you? There's a journey to get there. Um, so take us all the way back to the beginning of your career. How did you get into hotels in the first place? Um, kind of, kind of by mistake, uh, you know, so as, often, as is always the way, <laughs> so often these, uh, uh, these things kind of run that kind of course. The, the true story is that uh, when I was at school, we, we lived in London, uh, I'm a Londoner, uh, we, we lived in London and, uh, we moved out to, uh, to Surrey when I was 14 years old and I had been at a, an all boys school in, in New Cross in London. And I moved to a uh, to a mixed school when I was uh, fourteen years old, and despite reasonably promising academic credentials up until then, I kind of got distracted with all these um, the, the the young ladies that were running around as as well. So instead of doing any work for my O levels, and I should have, uh, I think I was supposed to get ten O levels, I didn't do any work, but I had a load of fun. Right. And, um, oh, you were destined for this uh, industry then. Yeah. The, and the, the I, fun element, not the work. I yeah. should say. So I uh, I ended up with three O levels, two English and arts. That's that's that was my total sort of clutch of, of academic qualifications at the age of 16. So I wasn't invited to go to the sixth form to attend the sixth forms. And um, I think my mother was pulling her hair out and was thinking what on earth are we going to do with this boy really right and um i always enjoyed messing around in the kitchen she was a very good home cook um as was her mother and uh, i always enjoyed messing around in the kitchen and and she suggested why don't you look at becoming a chef i looked at the course curriculum uh, the the uh, course prospectus and the next course up the page from chef was was um, hotel and catering operations. Uh, this was at Brooklyn's Technical College uh, in Weybridge, uh, and I thought, oh, that sounds quite good. Not really understanding, uh, you know, a thing about what it what it was really, but it involved a little bit of cooking and other aspects. And I thought, oh, that sounds quite good. Uh, I'll go and do that. And so, at the age of sixteen, I drifted into uh, into the world of hospitality. But I think Absolutely. that's the the thing, isn't it? At that at that age, especially when you probably at this point in time, you don't really have a clue what you want to do, right? No, no, it just no. just sounds quite interesting, so I'll maybe give that a crack. 
And I think, to be honest, you know, uh, we're, t- uh, you know, we're talking, um, what are we talking, mid 70s or something, you know, at that time, you, you really, you, you can't process the information of what what that career might look like in 40 or 50 years time you just, yeah you know, it's just it's that's just too obscure to, to even contemplate so so pure luck really I mean had my mother said oh you like messing around with old cars I'd have probably become a money mechanic you know I mean it was just so, so uh, you know all credit to, to to her really and of course I, once I got to college uh, it completely suited my personality and uh, you know, I, I do enjoy sort of practical things. And, and, and so I, it was partly working with my hands and, 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 and those senses and, uh, and partly, you know, some sort of academic study, but not, not too heavy on the academic study, which, you know, which again suited me. So, so I did quite well at college, bizarrely. So I, I obviously, um, you know, I found something that was, was, uh, which suited me. And, from there, I got taken on as a management trainee with the Savoy Company in London. And so that was the kind of the break. And at that time, you know, people leaving the sort of co- the college courses that I'd done, it was an OND I did, which is now a BTEC or whatever it is. Uh, people leaving those sort of college courses would end up with Trust House Forte or the Hilton group or whatever yeah. cream of the crop was the Savoy management training scheme. And, and, and in those days that the Savoy group consisted of the Savoy hotel in the strand Claridge's in Mayfair and, and the Connaught and the Barclay, a couple of restaurants and a hotel in Paris you know, called the Lancaster. And this was considered, you know, the kind of premiership of hotel training uh, schemes and, yeah, my first I my first posting was as a as a waiter at Claridge's. I say waiter. I ran around with a big tray for for, for six months. <laughs> <laughs> I've had um, a couple of people on actually who've um, at some point in their life have been through the the Savoy management training, and some of the stories are incredible in terms of the 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 attention to detail that you are kind of subjected to with uh one guy said that he had and he didn't he wasn't in on a chef program but he was saying that at one point he had to go and chop up uh, a bucket full of button mushrooms and turn them into roses using a cleaver um <laughs> i remember thinking what god yeah no i mean there was yeah it was it, i i don't know what area that was but that's probably sounds like a similar kind of era but um yeah, I mean, it was very, very traditional, uh, you know, old school practices, both front and back of, back of house. And, you know, at the time, I don't think we really realised what was what was happening. You know, we were just, you know, lots of young, you know, we were just having a good time and yeah. we were working super hard. I mean, the, the shock to the system at the age of 18, when I started at Claridge's, of we 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 worked six day, six days a week as standard it was a six day a week contract and they were split shifts every day so so you know you'd start at i don't know 10 till 3 and then you'd be back at 5:30 till 11 o'clock you know and and, and you did that every day yeah all for my, my my first pay packet were well for the time I was at Claridge's it was 21 pounds a week so so um right uh, well, inflation's probably taken up a little bit <laughs> A little bit, <laughs> a little bit, <laughs> but it wasn't. Uh, yeah, you weren't, you weren't rich for the, you know. So, so the the kind of well worn old adages of, of you know, long hours and low pay. That was definitely the case then. Right. Happily, those days are behind us. But, uh, but yeah, I definitely had had a bit of that. But I suppose as well, there there's an element, as you say, you're kind of you're in the moment. At this point, are you beginning to see? a path in any way shape or form or or is it a case of look I'm just enjoying this and I'll I'll just see where it takes me yeah I think it was the latter to be absolutely honest I mean I was learning I was learning a lot you know and and you know really fantastic practical skills uh, many of them life skills actually I mean just I don't know my second posting after after Claridge's was they had a restaurant then called Stone's Chop House was which was rather like Simpsons in the Strand it was an old you know a, a very uh, old school uh, english grill type restaurant 
and you know that was my first uh, uh the first time i bumped into sort of good wine and i learned to make cocktails and these are all just amazing life skills you know regardless of anything else so yeah at the age of 19 i could make you know i could make 20 or 30 cocktails without even looking at a book and you know kind of understanding what i was doing really and and so you know, that's, that's a nice thing to do, isn't it? You know, it's, yeah. it's, well, if you're hosting a little party yeah. at your house and you can do yeah. that, it's an impressive thing to do, isn't it? So, yeah, I mean, a lot of fun. And as I say, a lot of mainly, uh, you know, a lot of y- youngsters from from every nationality I was bumping into. And yeah, it was it was great. It was, it was you know, and, and it's like being a student in London, really. I mean, and all my mates were students and, and many of them in London. And, and yeah, so I just, I felt the same. It's just mine was, mine was kind of a practical work and, and, and learning period, uh, whilst theirs was perhaps more academic. Yeah, absolutely. So what happened next? Where did you, how, uh, did so I went through, you? I went through all those various, you know, kind of through the, the various hotels and departments, you know, they, they, they tended to sort of put you in into a new department every six months or a year. And so, you know, eventually you work your way around the hotel. I ended up and they liked to send they liked to to send you to abroad. So I ended up um they had an arrangement with the uh, the Crayon in, in Paris, which is an amazing hotel um on Place de Concorde, right? So I went there for a year when I was I was 20 years old, went there for a year. And I'd been at the Barclay prior to that, and I was invited to go back to the Barclay for my first sort of junior management position, which was an assistant reception manager. Um, and I was 21 years old. I was really, I was really young. And then the reception manager left, and so I found myself at the age of 23, and I was reception manage, manager of the Barclay Hotel in London, which was, you know, I mean. It was just amazing. I was strutting around in um, in tails and uh, you know pin struts. I thought I was the dog's bollocks, honestly. <laughs> uh, and I was looking after all the reservations and so on. And so, you know, I mean, I had, you know, uh, I always say I had Dustin Hoffman on speed dial. I did, you know, and and Diana Ross would call me and and you know I'd check in the Aga Khan. I'd I'd see the Queen Mother and you know I don't know. I mean, it would just went on and on and on. It was like a, you know, a list who's who, and of and so you know, super exciting times, really. And as well, I suppose the 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 fact that you you, I suppose, lucky in a way that this happened, yeah, yeah. and you were you know, but that's that's kind of the industry, right? I mean, that happens all the time. It happens all the time, and you know, I mean, we, you know, I'm a great believer. You know, the harder you work, the luckier you get, and. You know, I was I was definitely working hard, and uh, you know I was definitely getting the breaks and 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 uh, getting lucky. But you know, I was always there on time for work, and it didn't matter if I'd been out half the night or whatever. You know, I mean, and and all of that jazz. So there was a a reasonably a reasonable discipline about how I was going about things, although I didn't I didn't really uh, recognize or process that really at the time. But yeah. looking back on it, I you know that was that was certainly true. Um, and I was gathering, you know, heaps of knowledge and 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 probably a lot of confidence as well, and you know, and 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 an ability to, you know, I think one of the key things about being a hotelier and it today as much as any time in the past, you need to be able to communicate effectively, you know, no matter who you're talking to, whether whether you're talking to uh somebody who's working with you you know at the, at the at the bottom of the of the of the ladder if you like uh you know of, of the scale uh, and or you're talking to clientele that perhaps are famous or wealthy or you know uh, exotic or whatever they are <laughs> yeah uh, and the ability to communicate at every single level there and in between i think is is a key skill of a hotelier and uh, so i was I was starting to build that that background of you know of knowledge and and and, and skill set I suppose. So yeah, I mean great great times. So um I I met my my wife Judy during that period and eventually after I'd been back at the Barclay for 5 years so I was still only I was about 26 I think. And I'd already had five years experience as front of house manager or assistant, you know, at the Barclay, you know, which is pretty amazing. Mm. 
And we decided we we got married and we decided that that was the time to travel. So to use to use the uh, the hotel sector as something we could we could travel with. And, and I had this bee in my bonnet about I wanted to work on an island, uh, you know, in the sun somewhere. And we went to Bermuda for, for, for two years. So nice. So I ended up at a um, uh, a larger, much more commercial sort of bed factory resort, really uh, 300 bedroom, uh, which isn't large now. But at the time, it, you know, it was it was a sort of larger entity, but very commercial dealing with, you know, East Coast Americans and yeah, and super challenging at times, very difficult uh, role. But, you know, it was brilliant experience. And um, and whilst we were out there, we were two years there and uh uh, our f- first son was born, Ollie, uh, and uh, uh, so um, you know we were we were growing as a couple, a family, and and, and career, and uh, you know it was all sort of heading in in a uh, fairly logical direction, really. Yeah, sunshine baby. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, he's very, he's still very proud of um, the fact he's he's uh, got born in Bermuda in his passport. He thinks right. that's quite cool. <laughs> well, absolutely. Um... Great. And it's all you're kind of, as you quite, quite rightly said, you're climbing the ranks naturally at this point. I suppose it's it's, yeah. it's almost a, a, a career that we can see in a lot of people, just that, that natural step. Yeah, and I think natural step. That's it. it's, you know, it's embracing the opportunities as, as they arose and 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 uh, n- not doing anything too wacky, you know, uh, uh, along the um, along the path. And and it's something. Uh, you know we do but uh, you know by by today's you know there's an impatience about today's uh, younger team members you know that you know they do six months somewhere and and and, and, you know they think they can run the show and and you know and many of them are very able and many of them can run the show but the depth of training that that we were going through before we really got into positions was was quite fulsome and I think sometimes that that perhaps is is overlooked in today's market, you know, because we're we're short of skills, you know, people get promoted too early and uh, and so on. But you know, although I was young, I'd I'd sort of done the hard yards really um, uh, uh, before. So when we came back from Bermuda, I was, I mean, my my work permit came to an end uh, after two years, and I was offered two jobs basically. So I was. I was offered to go deeper into into the Caribbean, uh, uh, so uh, to go to Antigua. The then De Savary owned St. St James's Club uh, was opening a whole bunch of villas, and and um, so I was offered that job. Uh, and then I, uh, at the same time, I was offered an amazing job, really, and it's kind of a defining moment. Uh, a general manager at the Tewton Glen Hotel, and uh, you know, I was. Like I say, I was about, I don't know, maybe I was 27 or 8 at this stage. But at that time, wow. yeah, at that time, it was an iconic, I mean, still is an iconic. Actually, they're called iconic. <laughs> Indeed, they are, yeah. yeah, they've actually they've put their money where their mouth is. There, <laughs> but um, yeah, so, I mean, to be offered that sort of plum job at the time, you know, in those days, there were, you know, a handful of of really great hotels outside london and that was one of them and so to to nail that job at at that age was an extraordinary opportunity yeah without question i mean it, it's uh, well it's the old uh if you're good enough you're old enough right but uh, we're I've, i had a conversation with lots of different people who've gone on to great things on this podcast and a lot of them set goals quite early on as in like I want to be a general manager before I'm 30 and all of that sort of stuff I get the sense that that wasn't you you were kind of almost taking each opportunity as it came to you yeah I I I I think that's uh that's probably true certainly up and up until up until that point yeah that's absolutely absolutely right I mean I think because you know and this is where the messing up at school really worked in my favor because you know I was by the age of you know by the age of what 26 I've got 10 years under my belt yeah and so that was you know that worked in my favor actually so so, uh, I guess 
yeah as you say age was was overlooked slightly because the the there was a a reasonable depth of experience at that that point and so yeah so i i stayed at chutton glen through really interesting times we you know we developed the hotel from a 40 bedroom to a 60 bedroom we added the first one of the first fully sing all singing and dancing spas in the country we built a golf course you know i mean there was a whole bunch of things that we we were doing and i was right in the breach of that and so that was amazing experience so yeah as i was saying but eight years doing that and i was mid-30s and and so by that stage of course i thought i could i could do my own thing and 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 that that that's really where my entrepreneurial career started right 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 yeah because well i suppose eight years at that particular property through that particular time as you say where you're kind of it's going through a an evolution and a development of what's possible with the the property um definitely a role i think at that age that you could not have said no to right i mean yeah exactly no i mean we when we were deciding between antigua or the new forest um you know i mean it was we were sitting, we we talk about it even now, that we, we sat on the, the hotel I was at in Bermuda was called Elbow Beach Hotel. It's a beautiful beach. And we sat on the beach and we've got the young baby, Ollie, with us. And we were kind of, you know, Antigua, New Forest. What do we, you know, what do we... And, you know, whilst we quite fancied the Antigua bit, you know, a little bit more sunshine, we knew that the the sensible thing and the career move was really uh, was really Tuton Glen, and and so that's what brought us to Hampshire, and uh, we've been here ever since. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, it's not a bad place, is it? Really? Yeah, you built a hotel empire there, but we'll come on to that in any case. So, sure. <laughs> your um, your eight years at Tuton Glen, was there a point where you started to get itchy feet in the sense that you felt that I right, I've got. I've got a really, I've got a clear indication of who I am as a hotelier and what I want to go and do. And perhaps now I'm outgrowing what I can do as a general manager. Yeah, I think, I think you've nailed it in one there, really. Um, it was a really fascinating period. That was the infamous period in the early 90s when interest rates went up to 20% overnight and all that business, you know, and yeah. we'd, just, we'd just borrowed a shitload to develop the spa and all these extra rooms and everything so so it was my first you know although there was uh martin scan was, it, it, it was the owner in those days and so although ultimately you know it was his business you know i was involved every step of the way and 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 certainly the projects were very much under my remit and and so on so so living living through that i mean again you know there's nothing like that sort of experience when it comes to uh, you know the things we've had to face in more recent times so so that was you know during that period we had gulf wars and we had exchange rate dramas we had this interest rate issue uh, you know the the americans we, we relied quite heavily on american tourists at that at that point and you know any slight uh, you know, a uh, uh, global economic uh, situation or, or, or geopolitical situation, you know, kind of sent wobbles through the American market. And, and you know, one one year you've got 25% Americans and next year you haven't got any and that yeah. sort of thing. So this was all really, you know, kind of really useful uh, experience to, to draw on later on. Yeah. But also the, the other thing that was really happening at that time uh, was that, the birth of uh, a more modern approach to hospitality was starting in London. So, you know, at that time, every country house hotel was pressed white linen and and jackets and ties required for dinner and, you know, all of that jazz. We were a Michelin-starred restaurant. Oh, we, we lost and won a Michelin star and all, you know, so this is all great, great stuff, you know, to get through. Yeah, so experience again, yeah. right? I mean, the, the the highs and the lows. The highs and the lows, yeah, yeah. And this evolution in in the food scene, in particular, in London, had started, and I found myself upholding a, a kind of uh, upholding rules and regulations that I didn't really still believe in. So I was just insisting people wore a jacket for dinner, 
and I thought why you know I don't really you know and and we couldn't quite get to a point where Martin the proprietor and I kind of agreed on that and and so and there are all sorts of rules and regulations around what you could and couldn't do in uh, at Chewton Glen and for all good traditional reasons you know that's that's the way it had been up until then but in London really you know there were a few pioneers for for a more modern way of doing things you know so Conran of course with you know the two the two or three sort of iconic iconic restaurants at that moment that were starting to do differently were Quaglino's, uh, Mezzo, uh, Anthony Warrell Thompson's uh, 190 Queensgate, Alistair Little you know these guys were 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 starting to peddle a, a simpler and in my view more uh, relevant food philosophy and dining experience so and they they were not stuffy about what you should wear and the food on the plate was not arranged within an inch of its life and you know all of that yeah. so so this was this was a revolution that was happening but there was nothing like that happening in the sticks uh, you know, so, um, you know, it was still very, very traditional. And so, so coupled with that, that I was observing, and the fact I'd already done eight years, and, and you know, I was then thinking, well, is this what I'm going to do for the rest of my life? You know, am I yeah. going to continue to be a general manager for the rest of my life? Or what? Yeah, that's usually the question that people ask themselves when they hit their 40s, isn't it? The uh, yeah. Is this it? Is this, is this what I'm doing? But yeah. you got there. Sort of <laughs> 10 years earlier five yeah. years earlier so so that was buzzing around in my head and I, I i hadn't formulated my escape really from from that world but i i knew i was there was some discomfort about you know how that was continuing at that at, at that time a very quick word if you'll permit me providing great customer service is all about having the right people in the right place at the right time and that's exactly where our sponsor rotacloud can help Rotacloud makes managing your team's rotas, attendance and annual leave easy. With its simple drag and drop planner, you'll be creating rotas for your team in minutes. While its built-in budgeting tools mean you'll know exactly how much you're spending on staffing before sending the rota out. One Rotacloud customer actually reported that they'd gone from spending 25% on their monthly turnover on wages to spending just 19%, all thanks to Rotacloud's intuitive rota planning software. So do your business a favour and head over to rotacloud.com forward slash fill to start your 30-day free trial and find out how much easier organising your team can be. Now let's get back to it. During during my period at, at Chewton Glen, I had recruited, uh, uh, we didn't, when I went there, there was no such thing as a sommelier there. And, and, and so I recruited uh, Gerard Basset as our sommelier and uh, we developed a friendship uh, through wine and, a, and a, a, you know, I kind of honed my wine interest really with Gerard. And to cut quite a long story short, we went to a wine tasting together in London that um, doesn't exist anymore, but at Bibendum in uh, Primrose Hill, amazing wine tasting. And at, at lunchtime, the guy, the directors we were with, they picked up a few bottles from the table and we walked down the road to the pub, uh, which was the Lansdowne uh, in Primrose Hill. And this was the first gastro pub or within the first three gastro pubs. Uh, and this was evidence of, you know, for me of what was happening. So we walked in there with our half drunk bottles of wine and the pub was unrecognizable to any traditional pub that existed in the UK then. You know, it was very relaxed and the food was, you know, interesting. It wasn't a long menu, but I remember to this day what I had. I had a goat's cheese salad with red, pe red peppers on it. And this was like, you know, something that just had never been seen before, really. And so this very relaxed foodie pub operation pubs didn't serve that sort of food they you know they'd serve sausage and chips if you're lucky but you know that was that was it so yeah we sat down in a very relaxed style we'd taken our wine there was battered old sofas there and all this sort of thing and I thought this is just genius this is brilliant and on the way back on the train and we'd been wine tasting so we'd had, obviously had a few glasses well the ideas would be flowing at that point probably. the ideas were flowing and I said to Gerard you know what are you going to do next and he said oh, I'm going to 
I think I'm going to go to California and write about wine. And by this stage, he'd Absolutely. won. He'd won UK Sommelier of the Year, European Sommelier of the Year. He was going for his, you know, World Sommelier title and all that. Anyway, a week later, I called him and I said, you know, you said you were going to go to California. Would you consider, you know, if I was going to do something around wine and hospitality, would you, you know, uh, is that of interest? And so we sat down and I loosely scribbled on the front of this folder, Hotel Duvan. And it was, you know, because he was French and, you know, and it was wine. And the idea was to have a sort of townhouse hotel with a wine school, really. That's that's where it started. Right. Uh, Anyway, yeah, we didn't have any money and we had to raise a lot. You know, sounds easy, but it's quite difficult raising money for, you know, when you've got no track record as an entrepreneur. Well, I was got that. I, I wanted to ask you about that. Um, I know I don't know how much of this is cloak and dagger, but uh, in the sense of, for anybody out there who's listening who has their own eyes on something that they'd like to do, because actually one of the things that I love about what you said in that part of your journey at Chewton Glen was is that you just started almost asking yourself the question, why, why do, why does it have to be this way? Why? And that's such a it's a simple but powerful question when you're trying to, I don't know, start a revolution, really, or or, yeah. or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. And I think as we were formulating the idea for Hotel Divan, that what became Hotel Divan, you know, my my thoughts were, you know, provincial hotels at that stage, as I say, were very trad. They were dominated you know, every provincial town in the country, you know, had a sort of coaching in of some sort and and they were usually run by Trust House Forte and, you know, the, the love had gone out of that business sometime before. And so they were sort of peddling a traditional operation but executing it badly. So it wasn't like the Savoy or Claridge's where they had the skill set to actually deliver that sort of traditional service this was just a badly executed watered down version of traditional service and food that was just pretty bloody awful but but these places were still filling and I thought well and at that time the room rate typically was 100 quid a night so the whole premise behind Hotel de Van was if there's a market for something bad at 100 pound a night if we do it slightly better and more relevant maybe there's there's a good market for that and and so you know we were the first to put you know everyone was sleeping under duvets at that time in their homes but hotels were still using sheets and blankets we were the first to put duvets on our beds Uh, we were uh, were the first to put fresh milk in in you know in the in the mini bars you know i'm still amazed to this day you know so many places you go and you get those horrible little plastic pots of you know which apart from being a terrible sustainable option you know are just inconvenient and pretty nasty yeah um uh, <laughs> but you know this this is in 1994 uh, you know we we opened the first hotel divan so this is nearly 30 years ago and and you're still bumping into the same issues now yeah so there were sort of a few things bedroom wise it was yeah it was do those was fresh meat was it was a it was a monsoon shower. You know, we started to work out that, uh, you know, if you got three bar of pressure through your, you know, your shower head, you get a decent shower. And and you know, even now that, and I understand the, you know, the the st- sustainability issues around this now, you know, in terms of water usage. But you know, the trickle of showers that were, you know, up and down the country, in in in, in particularly in provincial hotels, were were pathetic at that time. You know, so. Mm. It's these sort of things it was you know we we were looking at it slightly differently and and um we've and then of course the restaurant we we were really we had one eye on what was going on in london in these sort of the gastro pubs the you know the conran restaurants and all this sort of thing and and so we replicated a version of that and we opened the first hotel van not realizing we were right at the vanguard of a of, of of a boutique hotel movement and uh yeah. we were just we were just trying to do our thing and get one property up and running and you know it was pretty difficult to raise the money and we certainly had no money of our own so we were you know borrowing and, and our first bank loan it was you know interest rates you know people talk about high interest rates now uh, our first 
bank loan for three quarters of a million was at 12 and a half percent. Oof, jeez. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, so is that is that how you were able to to was it as it was institutional learning and anything that you could kind of beg, borrow, steal, cobble together? Yeah, we put together a raft of investors of just sort of contacts and people we knew and so on, and that that we we managed to raise half a million pounds that way. We put three quarters of a million of bank debt on it from Royal Bank of Scotland, and then we still didn't quite have enough money, and so. We came up with the wheeze of having our rooms sponsored by wine houses. And so we charged wine houses to have their name on the door, which was uh, which was a great wheeze, actually. That so so we um we raised another, I don't know, I think it was 60 grand or something at the at the time. And so that was our working capital, really. So it's a, you know, stock the seller and so. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, that, well, that's the the great thing about being an entrepreneur, though, isn't it? Is that you can get creative in how how do we pay for stuff? Yeah, and we, you know, we kept the staffing. To I mean, Gerard or I would spend all day on the floor of the restaurant. And then we couldn't afford a night porter, so one of us would sleep on the sofa in the in the lounge and keep an eye on the place overnight. And then the next one would take over the next day, and you know, so uh, so you never and you never slept properly on the sofa. So effectively, you you were uh, were working twenty four hours a day. Yeah. For, for a while. But but uh, that's also the life of an entrepreneur, though, isn't it? Especially in the the early days when you've got to, I, I suppose, get it off the ground ensure that it works, ensure that people are coming and using it. There's all manner of hats that you need to have in that that approach to, yeah. to covering off all of these things. Uh, certainly. And and actually, the, 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 other, the other element I missed was that Judy was the real hero because, or heroine, she was, because when it came to the bank loan, you know, and I really struggled to get, put the finance package together, you know, I'd talk to an awful lot of people and, you know, people talk about investing, and then of course there's a there's a big difference between people saying, "Oh yeah, 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 I, I'll I'll do something," and then uh, those that actually write the check. But anyway, we finally put together a reasonable amount. But actually, when it came to the bank loan, I had to provide a guarantee for the bank loan, and so we put our house on the line for 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 the guarantee, and and we had nothing in reserve at all. You know, I'd I've maxed out the credit cards and you know uh, uh, all of that, and I'd borrowed a bit of cash from my parents, but you know they weren't wealthy people, so that was you know that we'd we'd used every resource, but for Judy to agree to have the house as a guarantee for the business showed some metal, I thought, and um, yeah, yeah, and when. Today that you know, even today, a lot of people say to me, "Oh, yeah, I really like to start my own business," and and they come and talk to me, and I say, "Okay, so, you know, what, what do you have any money? You know, do you have any? You know, do you have a house? Oh, yeah, but I'm not, not, you know, and so, yeah, what are you prepared to do? So, you know, you have to, and that's you know, uh, that's it, isn't it? You know, I mean, yes, it came right for us, and you know, we're very lucky with the way it's all turned out, but we we didn't shy away from that sort of tough stuff either yeah yeah and, and well and it's a proper sliding doors moment as well right i mean that, that doesn't happen we're well we're having a different conversation let's put it that, that yeah, way. No, no exactly it's it, it's very much that and yeah so that there's 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 always you know a few light bulb moments and a few sliding door moments that kind of define things as you go along and the next one really was there was a very very influential food writer at, at the time Jonathan Meads who wrote for the um uh, for the times and so he was the you know the Giles Corran equivalent or the fame Ashler. I mean Faye was around even then but uh, he was he was the, the man really that everyone followed and about a month after we opened he came to the restaurant and wrote the perfect article he, he didn't he didn't say that we were the best best restaurant in the country what he said was you know, this is the future and, and these guys are doing it right. And, and uh, you know, it's, I mean, it's, we've had many column inches written about us over the years, but I mean, that's the one that, you know, that, that actually made the difference, you know, and he would, he had the power in those days, you know, to, to, to close restaurants. Right. You know. Yeah. Make or break. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so that was a, a really 
important moment and where he uh, raved about somewhere others sort of followed so uh, you know it was a it was a really good uh, it, that was a really good kickstart to the business yeah yeah so foundations seem to be set at this point in time with that kind of level of coverage and so i suppose proof of concept it's working yeah, yeah. how did it develop out from there yeah, I mean, I, I mean, to be honest, when we when we opened Hotel Devan in Winchester, which is about two hundred meters from where I'm sitting now, actually. right? <laughs> Still keeping an eye on it. <laughs> actually, I haven't been in there for years, but, <laughs> but um, uh, yeah. So you know, we got we got that open, and 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 it was starting to do well, and we started thinking about whether we could do the same thing in other places, and and you know, and there were many versions of the shareholder group, and people coming in and, and one thing or another and we our second we opened our second hotel in 96 in Tunbridge Wells and then you know thereafter we did seven in 10 years uh you know so we we ended up selling Hotel Devan exactly 10 years to the day after we started it because we got a great offer and yeah it was uh, you know we, we'd, we'd had a a good run with it and uh, and so on uh and alongside that I'd been I'd been a director of Soho House for for most of that period as well, and then Nick asked me to become chairman of Soho House once we'd sold Hotel Advance. So. Yeah, well, how did that come about? How did the directorship there come about? Whilst you've also got your your head in in that business. Um, well, yeah, again, it's another another moment, and you know, Nick Jones remains to this day one of my best mates, and. And uh, absolutely one of uh, one of my best mates within the within the industry. But in about '95, he had just opened the very first Soho House in uh, Greek Street in London, and some of his members had said to him, "Wouldn't it be great to have a country place, a country hotel, to country club to go to?" So he started looking around at what was what was out there, and someone said to him, "You should go and have a look at Hotel Devan. They seem to be doing something interesting." because I've explained the rest of the scene was very trad. Anyway, Nick called me and said, can I come and have lunch with you in, in you know, in Winchester? And, and so he came down and started asking me loads of questions. And, and, you know, to be honest, I said to him, look, why don't you, why don't you go back to London and look after your loveys in Soho? Because, um, uh, because, you know, it's really the 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 rural hotel business you know is really hard and and you know i'm not convinced and all the rest of it anyway three months later he called me back and he said um do you remember me i came to talk to you and 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 uh he said um i ignored all of your our advice and 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 i bought something called babington house but he said you were the only person in all my sort of research not to blow smoke up my ass uh, about the idea and you know so a note of caution yeah so uh would you like to join the board and uh so that was yeah so that that That's was very cool 95 and um, truth wins eh? truth wins every time maybe maybe <laughs> and uh yeah and then i was involved with so house for about 14 years so from from then through to you know we right through to after after we sold her to hotel to Anne, it was I was chairman for about three years, uh, you know, really working on the initial expansion into America. And so I spent a lot of time in the States. And uh, and then ultimately, we sold the majority stake to Richard Caring in about about 2008 or something. So um, I sort of sold myself out of a job, really. <laughs> right. Yeah. But what at this point in time, is there any part of your being that's thinking, right, I need to I need to have a rest? <laughs> Because it it sounds like it's been a, a quite a full on period up to this point. That, uh, but it, equally, I suppose from the sounds of it, you're doing something that you absolutely just love to do. Yeah, and it, you know, it, uh, the answer is no. There wasn't a rest, and uh, you know, to this day, I don't think there's ever been a period of my life that I've not worked for for more than three or four weeks. You know, so even between jobs and everything, you know, I mean, it's so. You know, I do. I you know, I like, I I, I you know, I obviously I like the work. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, it's um, you know, it's it it appeals to my creative um part of my head. Yeah, there's always something new, and you know, I love the cut and thrust, and you know, 
the chase and all of all the rest of it so yeah so yeah i i was involved with nick for all that time and then towards well actually about the i was still i was sort of project managing soho beach house in miami for him when we sold the majority state to richard caring and as i say so i sort of left at that point and around that time i got a call from jim ratcliffe who our kids went to school together in southampton actually so so um and so my youngest will was was uh, good friends with his youngest george and anyway i got a call from jim and saying oh, we started building this uh, hotel in the new forest it was then called park hill and it was supposed to have a budget of 20 million and it's now 40 million and i don't think we know how to open it <laughs> uh, would you come and give us a hand uh, or come and have a look at it and and i wasn't really looking to you know i mean i was i'd made a little bit of money from hotel divan and and uh, so her house and i don't know i think i thought at that stage i'd pick up a few directorships or something and you know amble along mm. uh, it doesn't sound like you're an ambler robin yeah anyway uh, <laughs> so i went to have a look at uh then park hill and it was an incredible building incredible location i knew the original donor hotel that it was and they'd spent you know they spent a lot of money on it not all of it particularly wisely but you know it had been done to to a great level of quality and i said yeah i think i can you know i knew that it was right in the middle of the new forest so obviously that was my patch i knew you know i knew what was what down there and so i got involved and eventually we changed the name to limewood and we opened we got limewood open in um uh 2009 i think something like that which opened to good you know good critical acclaim and has done done very well ever since and whilst looking at the limewood uh looking at that that property there was there were a bunch of other small enterprises that within were within that portfolio which i was tidying up there was a a loss making restaurant which i closed there was a uh, a half finished restaurant in southampton that was uh, which was uh badly conceived so i stopped work on that uh, there was a wholesale meat business which i yeah i closed as well um anyway there was a i was left with a small there was a small hotel in brockenhurst that i had valued to sell uh it was called whitley ridge hotel and the valuation came back really really low because it was loss making and it was a bit of a mess and it was valued at a million pounds. And uh, I thought, hang on, this is quite a nice lump of property uh, for a million pounds, it seems. So I said to Jim, look, I tell you what, oh, I'd been walking around the property and it had a nice kitchen garden. That's right. So that was another light bulb moment. And I said to Jim, look, it's only valued at a million pounds. I'll buy half of it. And let's see if we can do something with it. And that was the birth of the pig. Right. Right. Yeah. So another some more light bulb moments just from and I, I guess as well at this point in time, the world is starting to pay more attention to sustainability and yeah. the provenance of goods and, and all of that sort of stuff. So, again, you're kind of your light bulb moments that come at, seem to come at the right moment in time. Yeah, I think I mean, I have, you know, I've been asked about this before and and sort of. I don't know, spotting trends or whatever, but I think, I, uh, if anything, I do sort of understand the sort of zeitgeist of the moment, really, and 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 you know, trying and, and trying to to use that to some effect, I suppose. But I've always I've always wanted any. I mean, I hate the the idea of themes and concepts, you know, f because I like to think about integrity about what we do, but uh, all of our themes and concepts have had you know genuine roots to them so you know hotel duvan you can't put hotel du the name of hotel duvan over the door and expect it to be taken seriously unless you have proper wine expertise and and uh, you know within, within the building and and certainly gerard uh, had that uh, in spades and likewise for the pig you know it was i wanted to have this agricultural sort of connotation uh, and that to be the the clue for everything we did and so the kitchen garden provided that so so yeah these are you know that they're, they're concepts but with with a considerable level of integrity behind them yeah 
And I guess as well, you have, it's one thing to come up with the concept, but you can't deliver the concept without having the right people around you to pull it off, right? It's, you know, you you obviously are uh, somebody who cares deeply about the industry and, and kind of everything that comes with it. But at the same time, you're, and correct me if I'm wrong, but you're probably not the guy who's going to develop the garden kitchen into something that's usable into the the restaurant. You're going to need to bring in somebody who kind of can do that. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. As with any any operation, any business, any anything, you know, you need to you need to find the people with the right skills. And um, as it happens, the kitchen garden sorted itself out. Uh, my eldest son had been to agricultural college was was a very outdoor kid he thought he wanted to be a tree surgeon until he got halfway up a tree and you know kind of felt quite uncomfortable about it Um, (laughs) and um he was he was looking for work and he ended up when we were building the pig sort of humping and dumping furniture for us ended up somehow drifting into the kitchen garden i didn't even know he was doing work in the kitchen garden the the then general manager put him in there to dig over some beds, I think, or something. And before I knew it, he'd been offered a job as kitchen gardener. And then we got him a mentor for about a year. And uh, uh, no, actually a bit longer, probably. Yeah. But, you know, he's super knowledgeable and, 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 and so on. And now he's the architect of all the kitchen gardens. And he's got a team of 35 kitchen gardeners and runs the nursery and bloody blah, blah. So, yeah. Brilliant. Yeah. I love how stuff kind of yeah. happens. Yeah. Um, yeah. Sometimes oh, it's yeah. serendipity. That's, um, that's history repeating itself, really, in his case, uh, you know, for, for, you know, sort of uh, chip off the old block, maybe, you know, just uh, slightly fell into it. Yeah. So uh, you're obviously, uh, as a brand, you're developing further and you know, your, your reputation is, is immense. Uh, both internally within the the industry and externally i mean I, I i can't speak to people that i know who don't work in hospitality and one of the first names that they say oh do you know the pig i think well of course everybody knows the pig so how do you go from a concept like that that you have in your head as you're walking around the grounds to developing a, a brand which is such a positive thought to people and you know a a brand that kind of just associates itself with good and great how does that happen um again you know i talked about integrity and i i think when you're when when you're opening anything or or developing the idea of something total immersion you know of the prince you know the the principles behind that you know it's uh, it's a sort of total immersion strategy really so you know, when I'm starting something, you know, I'm living and breathing and it's coursing through my veins for, for you know, for, for months ahead. And so when I when I hear of somebody saying, you know, sort of drift, you know, drifting into something without putting their life and soul into it, you know, the, you know, I, I know it's, you know, almost certainly going to fail because it's not ever just about a property or money or you know, it's about, you know, really feeling the, you know, the the nerve center of that of, of, of that operation. Difficult to describe, really. But, you know, every single detail and, you know, one of my favorite phrases is this business isn't complicated. It's just a million details. And and it, and it, and it is. That's what it is. It's it's a collection of details that you put together and weave together and, you know, you look at any tabletop in any restaurant, there are a hundred decisions that have happened on that tabletop. Yeah. You know, just to get that tabletop to 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 sit there in front of somebody. This goes over most people's heads, but it's the the combination of all those details as you weave them together that that you end up with with your final offering to to you know to to the guest or customer. So yeah, it's it is just this. Totally. I mean, and if you were a fly on the wall with some of the ridiculous, detailed conversations we have about the smallest, you know, element, which in isolation seems so pathetic and so trivial, but but it's it's just another piece of the jigsaw, you know. So um, so yeah, it's it's that it's putting that jigsaw together, I guess. 
yeah 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 and i suppose that, that that's something that's actually really really fascinating to do when you yeah. you fascinating it, I mean, it's brilliant you know and and you know i mean it's why you know my wife judy and i we never turn off from it we'll be in some far-flung place around the world and we'll see something and say wouldn't that be brilliant you know if we use that in some way here or that you know so um continually looking continually eyes open and you know one of the one even yesterday i was with the team at limewood and i'd noticed something that was irritating me and you know and i i was encouraging quite senior managers to use their eyes more you know and just don't just look but actually see things you know and 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 make a judgment call about it and and, and rightly or wrongly just just you know kind of don't just walk past something you know yeah well that, that's the old saying isn't it the standard you accept is the standard you walk past or something along yeah. those lines yeah. um yeah and it, i i remember and you've sparked a memory actually at the, the very first time that i i worked in food and beverage on a cruise ship and my mentor who was the director of f and b equivalent on on what today would be uh, on a ship did a, a walk around all the bars and restaurants with me and basically we went into every room and he just said right talk to me about the yeah. room and and initially that conversation is 30 seconds long because i don't know what i'm talking yeah. about and by the end of the 15 outlets that we've been around we're having 10 minute conversations about places yeah. and the somebody once said i can't even remember who, who said this to me but it's such a wonderful phrase once you've learned attention to detail you can't unle unlearn it that's right it's, it's absolutely right yeah yeah and i think you know going back to where we started this conversation and claridges and all that, that sort of jazz you know uh, i think you know i was very lucky to have that drummed into me at a very early part of my career and and it um yeah it's absolutely still you know still with me i mean literally one of the things i was talking about yesterday was on a menu it was on our spa menu at, at limewood where they have put in some of the the uh, they put in the nutrients you know on menu items you know because of the spa element and sulfites were mentioned and on two of the dishes it said sulfite and not sulfites and so I, so i said well are these two dishes only got one sulfite in and they, you know i mean what what you know what what are you talking about you know and it was just sloppy and it you know yeah just yeah and off. some pe some people will listen to you and go oh come on but you know if you actually want to get ahead and be true to yourself and what you stand for as a brand these things are massively important Oh, yeah. And, you know, I say to them all the time that, you know, if you don't want to bother with this detail, there's loads of really average hotels out there you can go and work in because, you know, fine. That's up to you. That's your choice. Yeah. But if you're proud about where you work and, you know, this is what, what makes the difference. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Fantastic. Well, I'm uh, I'm eminently conscious of time, but um, before we go, do you have any any funny stories from your career that you can share? Oh my word! Uh, funny stories. Where um, to start? Probably. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I need to. Uh, yeah, there's too many to. I was talking yesterday about when we first opened Hotel Devan. Actually, there was, you know, we we like I say, we had a really, you know, we were on an absolute shoestring and and a real sort of minimal staff, and we used to survive on students coming to work for us and everything. And and um, anyway, we had a really charming, pretty girl that that came and uh, uh, and worked with us and we were delighted to have her because you know she 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 brought light to the room you know but she was really clumsy and so and her job was polishing glasses uh, you know one of her jobs was polishing glasses at the end of the evening but we realized that despite her very obvious attributes as a, as a personality in the room we couldn't afford to keep her because she, for every three glasses she polished she broke two of them by twisting the you know the the, the <laughs> the bottom of so so she had to be sacked for actually you know we couldn't afford to keep her she was <laughs> you know so, so it's, that i was telling someone that story yesterday and then yeah 
I think it was, she, it was the same girl who she sort of wasn't the brightest button in the box really and 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 uh, you know we we so we gave her tasks and she was told to when people arrive ask to take their coats and uh you know we were watching her one day and thought what on earth is she doing so people were walking in without a coat and she was asking to take their coats <laughs> so, so yeah um, yes I mean that that oh, look, there's plenty plenty of stories. I need a little more time to think about them. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm I'm sure there's uh, there's many a book you could probably write a pro- probably a compendium of uh, of stories from from what has been yeah quite an enviable career. I think a lot of people look at look to you as a, a shining light of of the industry, and I think that's absolutely right and true. What you've achieved from, if you don't mind me saying, very humble beginnings. Yeah, and also you know zero qualifications as it were what greater qualifications do you need than actually just going out and grafting yeah no and I think you know it's for some people that you know I mean look I'm we have we have great people that come to work for for us with very impressive qualifications and we have great people that come to work for us with zero and uh you know and I you know I would always want that whole mix uh you know within our team because uh you know everyone brings something yeah absolutely what what three reasons would you give to somebody who who or why should somebody come and work in hospitality no two day to, days are ever the same there's countless opportunities and you know there's there's you know there's the there's the opportunity to rise up through the ranks quickly if you if you get your head down and and uh, and seize the moment and it's a lot of fun. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, I, I, I think you've. It sounds like you've had a blast along the way, and you know, dropping in people like Nick Jones as your best mate and stuff like that as well. You know, it's look at what you can do in this industry. And yeah, the no, you get to to mix with. I know we 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 uh, we're very fortunate to have um, many household names as friends. Yeah. So. Yeah, Robin, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your story. I massively appreciate it. I, uh, I'm sure that people will take great inspiration from what you've achieved. I, you're clearly not done yet. There's more in uh, life in the old dog yet. Is that, is that the saying? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, yeah. uh, thank you for being gentle with me. And, <laughs> and uh, yeah, I've enjoyed the chat. Thanks, Phil. Fantastic. Thanks, Robin. And there we have it. I think we can all agree that Robin has had an amazing career and not done yet either. The most amazing thing for me is just how humble he has remained in the face of such incredible success. A lesson for us all there. We'll be sneaking back on your airwaves on Friday with a cheeky bonus with another legend. So until then, thanks so much for listening and I'll see you then.